0: Ready. Danger, danger, circuit. Ready. Danger, danger. That is correct. Say it. Danger, danger, circuit. Ready. Danger, danger. That
1: is correct. Say it. Welcome to Guys Open. On today's miniisode, we are going to be reviewing a couple of videos from the sad Calvinist. Oh, look at him; he's he's pretty sad. His his name is on YouTube: The Cage Stage. Calvinist I'm getting that right cage stage Calvinist maybe the sad bearded Calvinist uh, very 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 sad guy in all his videos he's kind of sad you kind of look at him he he uh, it's probably because he got four down votes on this video I know upvotes. It probably made him very sad while he was filming uh, but he got he has a couple videos and this first one I might be sympathetic to Let, let's uh, listen to it. it says five reasons the early church fathers were savage wolves. I'd like to know these five reasons. I'm sure this guy has that information that could, uh, you know, enlighten me and, and make me a smarter person. So go ahead, Sad
0: Calvinist, tell me all about it. As shocking as it may seem, here are five reasons why the early church fathers were actually wolves in sheep's clothing, and the savage wolves in particular that Paul wrote about in Acts chapter 20. So, reason number one, the early church fathers came after the Apostle Paul. Reason number two. Uh, I can't argue that. The Apostle Paul said in Acts 20 that after his departure, savage wolves will arise from among the elders of the church and not spare the flock. The the time frames are lining up. Okay. All right. And that is what the early church fathers were. They were elders in the so-called church. Reason number three: the savage wolves were the ravenous wolves Jesus referred to, that teach contrary to His teaching that the good man cannot do evil and only the evil man can do evil. What? Reason number where, four. Where,
1: where did Jesus teach that? What? The early
0: church fathers taught libertarian free will regarding man, that the yep, good man can do did. evil, and the evil man does not only do evil. and number five hey
1: sad buddy sad friend Uh, tell me more about this Jesus thing where does Jesus teach that only evil people can only do evil and so forth that's what I want to know Change, change the topic of your video buddy
0: the last reason and there are many more but suffice it to say
1: oh there's actually some more the early church fathers
0: formulated the Trinity, the doctrine of the Trinity. Uh-huh. And I would refer you to my other video a couple of weeks ago that I posted for a more elaborate understanding of why that is a false doctrine. Uh huh. Now, <clears throat> one might say an objection, but many of the early church fathers were discipled by the disciples of Jesus himself. And I would say, so what? Judas was discipled by Jesus himself.
1: Oh, what a good point. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, Let's go turn to this other video quick before it gives us some sort of autoplay. But that was actually pretty funny. So uh, basically, there's going to be false teachers that arise. And uh, these people arise later after the disciples. And so... They must be the time frames match up. So they must be right. It's like, well, everyone arose after the disciples. So maybe everyone's wolves. I don't know. But I think his main argument is they taught free will. And this previous video says Christians who advocate libertarian free will are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. Oh, no, my poor guy. Look at this. He's probably sad because he's got five dislikes and one like. Let's go back to his five reasons the church fathers were savage wolves. Oh, oh, my my poor guy, he's got those four. I gotta give him a like. I gotta put a like on his video. Maybe maybe his next video he'll be happy because he'll see that he, he got a like. So I'll try to do that for you, buddy. But let's figure out this. Christians who advocate libertarian free will are actually wolves in sheep's clothing. Okay, tell us all about that.
0: According to Jesus, in Matthew 7:15 to 18 and contrary to popular belief professing Christian libertarian free will advocates would be wolves in sheep's clothing for Jesus says beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are wolves you will know them by their fruits which also encompasses the doctrine they speak the good tree produces good fruit but the bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit so according to Jesus analogy of trees representing men a good man cannot produce what is bad but libertarian free will advocates say that man while not being evil but good could and did produce what is bad
1: all right, so let's let's talk about this. So on, on the face value, it looks like plausible claims. Stel, until you start giving it a modem of thought, just a, just, a, just a little bit of thought, you start thinking about what he's claiming here. So anytime you come to the Bible and you're reading Jesus, you're reading Paul, you're reading uh, the 12 disciples, anything like that, um, you probably should keep in mind that they don't talk about metaphysics. They're not talking about, oh, there's some ethereal realm in which there's variables and switches. And then God does like a special enlightening and flips that switch. And and then like Paul's talking about how he saves people. Paul saves people. What does Paul mean by that? Does he mean he, he changed their metaphysical state? Or... Or is he talking about, he's the proximate cause. It's, it's a practical lesson that he's telling them, yeah, you can save people. In James, the end of James, he says, uh, you'll save a lot of souls or you'll cover up a lot of uh, sins by doing this. It's not not metaphysical, it's practical, practically minded. This is how they thought and taught. So is Jesus talking about a metaphysically dead state? People are like trees and apparently trees are like, inherently good and bad like there's bad trees like out my yard i got some trees it's like ah that's a bad tree no i think bad trees typically are bad because uh they're like diseased maybe they they get something inside of themselves that turn them bad is in some fashion and i think it might be over overextending the metaphor just a little bit to just just assume your metaphysics into this like trees are inherently good or bad when jesus In the very context that we're talking about, he talks about people's volition. This is Jesus's ministry. Jesus is preaching a moral reformation. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's see how Jesus talks. He said, judge not that you not be judged. You know, these are are practical lessons that he believes his listeners can hear and follow. He says, uh, scrolling down, ask and it'll be given. To you seek and you'll find, knock, it'll be open to you. It doesn't sound like he's talking about people all being universally in a metaphysically dead state. Maybe these wolves, maybe these bad trees, if they only would open their hearts and seek God, would uh, God repent of the harm that He thought to do them? As, as you use the language in Jeremiah 18 and Ezekiel 18. God will repent of the harm he thought to do them if they would only turn and repent. And so Jesus says, ask and I'll be given. This is this is free will. He says, for everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. This is the same context as his, his tree parable in which uh, he thinks these trees are in a metaphysically dead state. Oh, they are bad, and they just produce bad, and only bad, rather than a practical lesson. And so what would a practical lesson be? We'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the free will here. He says, if you then who are evil know to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask? Because God responds. In Jesus's theology, God is responsive. He watches, he waits, he listens, he sees what people ask for, and he responds to them opposite of Calvinism. And so Matthew 7, 12, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, also do to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Jesus is teaching people how to live, how to bear those good fruits. It's a moral reformation, inconsistent with the Calvinist idea of dead states. He's saying everyone, everyone who seeks will be given. He says, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. He is calling out to them, to do things positively, to follow God's will, to be those good trees. And then we get to the tree parable. It's like, okay, I, I don't think Jesus is talking about free will and volition and automatically then assumes, assumes in this tree parable, that people are in metaphysically dead states. And it's probably not a good idea to get your theology from parables to begin with, because often Jesus would, would speak in riddles and and uh, not straightforward, and the audience would be a little bit confused. And so for someone to come in and say, oh, this must mean my theology, and then rubber stamp it and say, oh, Jesus taught what I taught, probably not the best thing with the parables. Maybe the parable explanations in which Jesus talks about what his parables mean. That might be the better place to point to instead of instead of the, the cryptic language or the clear teachings about morality. Jesus believed people had free will. And Jesus is not alone in this. Uh, I had been going over Romans in preparation for us reading through Romans and seeing the open theist Paul in Romans. So listen, listen to some of this language. Uh, he says, For I long to see you that I might impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. I don't think he's talking metaphysics. He's not saying, oh, there's a switch medical physical switch inside of you that i'm going to flip and then now you're going to have this uh, spiritual gift i don't think that's what's happening there it's it's practical we scroll down and paul starts talking about volition He he starts talking about the wicked the bad trees as we have in jesus he says for the wrath of god so god has anger against these people the wrath of god they stir god to anger god is responsive what what did they do Tell us what did these, these, these bad trees do to get the wrath of God? He says, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So how do they suppress the truth? Can the tr- truth be suppressed? They suppress it in unrighteousness. For what can be known about God is plain to them. Oh, they know. They're not totally dead and totally deprived and have no knowledge, can't do any seeking. They know because God has shown it to them. His eternal power and divine nature. Uh, Keep scrolling down. For although they knew God, they did not honor him, give him thanks. Sounds like volition. It sounds like these people are rejecting what God has done. God has done something, given them something. They should have acted in one way. They acted in a complete different way. And now God is angry and showing his wrath against them. This is the opposite of Calvinism. God responds. God attempts to reach people and those reachings are not successful. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man. Therefore, God gave them up to the lust of their hearts. God gave them up. He saw what they're doing, and then he just rejects them. He gives them up. This is responsive. God sees, and then God responds. God hears, God watches, God thinks, God decides, and then God acts. God is responsive. Opposite of Calvinism. Let's keep scrolling down. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind. Do, do, do they sound like the, this tree state was automatic from birth, that, that this is a metaphysical thing? Or does it sound like they're bad trees because they rejected God and now God's rejecting them in turn? They chose sometime after birth to be those bad trees. It's the Mike Murdochs of the world who want all your money and then they go spend it on cocaine and hookers, and uh, and cars, and airplanes, and exotic animals. The the charlatan preachers is actually what Jesus is pre- preaching about in, in uh, the Sermon on the Mount. We'll scroll back there. So always think about that. If you're reading the Bible, is the Bible talking metaphysics? I don't think it ever is. Or is it talking practicality? He's saying some people will come in claiming to good, be good, good prophets, but they're, they're going to be bad people. How are you going to know they're bad people? Well, if they want your money and then go spend it on sexual immorality, you know, that's going to be a pretty bad thing. And uh, then you're going to know that they're not the ones. They're the ones to avoid. And, and it's a general rule of thumb. So maybe there's people who are pretty austere in their life. There's the Vladimir Lenins of the world who live in their little apartments and you know, oh, what a, what a nice, uh, austere type of guy who, who doesn't take all the personal luxuries for himself. But then he's over here, on the other hand, killing millions millions of people, just murdering people uh, without thought. That doesn't, so it's not like a rule that defines everything, but watch the person, watch what they do, watch how they act, watch how they think, watch to see if they're self-serving. Jesus is giving practical advice. He's not, he, it's so funny, people think that in these sermons, Jesus is up there teaching, like, metaphysical doctrine to people for some reason. Rather than practical advice, they think he's like, like, back, uh, it was Samuel and Saul, like, Samuel's like, hold on, hold on, stop, pause for a minute, let me tell you about God's unchanging nature, his immutability, his pure simplicity, and what you can't change in any modem or respect, and, and somehow that has a bearing. No, that's... That's not what's going on. He's giving him practical things. God has made a decision and God is not going to change his mind. That's practical. Uh, Jesus is giving people practical advice. If you see these people and this is how they act, avoid them because guess what? Guess what? Because you have free will, you might in fact Turn and follow them. So stay away from those people because you have volition. And uh, it's a best for your long-term outlook to follow God and not these false people who might convert you away, even though you could be a good tree. So stay away from these people. Don't give them money. Don't give them support. Practical advice. It's so funny that people think that Jesus is always teaching metaphysics, Oh, uh, God draws people to Jesus and, and uh, none, none that come to him will be lost. That's God's will. Yeah, it is God's will, but what is it? Is it a metaphysical thing? Is it a law written in stone somewhere in the ether? Or, or is it a tasking which Jesus then states that he did fulfill later in the book of John? He says, uh, I didn't lose any of them, just like you willed, except for one. There's one there. There was, in fact, Judas who I did lose. So that is the exception, but generally, Generally speaking, I fulfilled that tasking. It's a tasking, not metaphysics. So it's a huge mistake. And you know, that's one trick that people do when they come to these verses. If you just read it, and as you're reading it, you're just incorporating your assumptions into it. And then these are the assumptions that are up for debate. Uh, these, These are the points of contention. If you just read it with your assumptions in mind, without even alluding to the counter assumptions, you know, you start... Putting your audience in that frame of mind. I don't know if this guy actually has a real audience. He's got like five dislikes on this, and and uh, I don't know how many subscribers. So maybe people, maybe people just watch him because they hate this guy, and it's just like their time to just self reflect and cringe and hatred. Like, oh, what is this? What is happening here? Oh, uh, maybe they they feel better about themselves watching a sad guy reading reading the Bible all lonely in his room alone. That might be what's happening here. But uh, so I don't know how convincing this guy is to his audience, but that is one one speaking trick is to assume everything you're trying to prove in your explanation of your proof text. And that way the audience is like, oh, yeah. So you're you prime the mind, you prime the mind. And then then it has to be someone else coming over and, and trying to dismantle the assumptions you already built into the audience's mind. Uh, Isaiah 40 through 48. They say, oh, see, this is God's eternal declaration. Well, number one, it doesn't ever say that in the text. Number two, all the time specific references in the text tell us when it is. And it's not an eternal declaration. It's a declaration to people for practical reasons. It's not talking doctrine. It's not talking like uh, like rules of metaphysics. It's talking practicality. You guys should believe God because God can do what God says God is going to do. It's It's practically minded. So uh, it's, just, it's just crazy to think that these people, uh, they, they probably haven't thought about it because they want, they want to build a doctrinal system. And so they're reading the text in mind with trying to build doctrine rather than trying to evaluate what's happening in the actual context of the text. Jesus is outside. He's preaching to people who may or may not like him. He's telling them how to live and what to do. He's giving them practical advice that they could use down the line. He's not giving them doctrine. He's not saying you need to believe these specific things about the nature and character of God in order to be saved. He's doing a moral reformation. And part of his moral reformation is teaching them how to spot people that might try to subvert this moral revelation. That's what's going on. But we got another, he's got another uh, two minutes here, so let's start playing him out.
0: Where what is bad, speaking what is false, for example, came from within, out of his being. His being being not bad, but good. So libertarian free will advocates, essentially, then, would have one who is inwardly a sheep speaking false prophecy. Whereas Jesus said, in alignment with his teaching on good and bad trees, speaking what is false comes from being inwardly a wolf therefore libertarian free will advocates are wolves pretending to be sheep or christians they're not anything and followers
1: of Christ. in his view we're just robots for the fruit of their doctrine, we're nothings we're not even people free will
0: is bad espousing contrary to what jesus said their doctrine is...
1: What is this guy reading from? Espousing what is contrary. Uh, I'm going to the gonna rewrite Jesus it. It's in, in a, probably a huge mistake to listen to this and more. What's
0: interesting Rewind. is... wide So libertarian free will being and did produce what is bad. So according to Jesus' analogy of trees representing men, a good man cannot produce what is bad. But libertarian free will advocate Not say that man... While not being evil but good Could and did produce what is bad What is he reading Uh, It must be his own notes What is bad He must have came up with this in his own head Came from within out of his being I'm going to google it I'm going to google a phrase Not bad but good (laughs) So libertarian free will advocates Essentially then Would have one who is inwardly A sheep Speaking false prophecy what? He, he just. Those are his Jesus own notes. said in alignment That's with his own on good and bad trees, speaking what is false comes from being inwardly a wolf." Therefore, libertarian free will advocates, okay, we are wolves skip pretending to be sheep. And what's interesting is these guys water too. Calvinist who my says man no, not evil until after he did evil is speaking falsely and therefore a wolf. For again. According to Jesus, the evil or bad man bears evil or bad fruit and cannot do other. Cannot. And so only does what is evil. Yeah, is, is that so, metaphysical or, if the or is evil that practical? Man only does evil. The non evil.
1: And is, is it a rule of thumb? You, you see rules of thumb all the time with exceptions that do get violated. And so he, he's reading it with metaphysics in mind. I want a metaphysical system. I got this uh, paragraph here that kind of fits what I want um, ignore the context ignore Jesus telling people how to live and what they need to do and and how God responds to them based on their actions ignore all that I got a little parable and the parable I could make fit my system and then guess what I got all these notes that I'm reading with all sorts of other crazy assumptions on top of that it's
0: like okay evil man does not do evil i guess that's the one way to do the bible only does evil Therefore, only the non-evil man does not do evil
1: there's that famous picture of like hitler like feeding like a a deer like a little fawn or something like that and uh, i guess i guess there's nothing in hitler's life that was ever good no good whatsoever it's just evil he's just like evil to his core not even that just a random person a uh, a non-christian down the street, his name might be like Bob or something. Only evil. He's just the most terrible guy in the world. And uh, just the same as Hitler. They're both of the bad trees and nothing good. Or, or, or is Jesus talking practically rules of thumbs, how to spot good and false teachers? Is this rules for all mankind? Or is this practical advice for his audience to know how to live and how to respond and how to enter the kingdom of God. Uh, you decide. Um, I report. You decide. And uh, that's that's where we're going to have to leave it there. Bonus content time. I started editing the video and it occurred to me that he has two, two videos. He, he goes over two different videos about how free will people are the wolves in sheep clothing. If only if only in the context of his own quotes, it actually gave the way to figure out how these people are those wolves in sheep's clothing. Remember, his way is they taught free will, therefore they were the wolves. But remember, remember, Jesus said, uh, they are the ones who bear the bad fruit. So they're the ones doing the evil thing. So um, I teach free will. What, what, what are the bad things I'm doing? What are the bad things? Laying flowers like the nicest guy I know. Uh, it's like what is he? What is he doing? That's bearing the bad fruit. What's that bad fruit, huh? It's not doctrine. They're not talking doctrine. You're talking acts. They're talking being evil and and uh, sexually promiscuous, as as we see in Revelation. One of the churches there, they started practicing basically all sorts of evilness, and that was a pretty common Roman slander against the Christians as well. That the Christians would perform these sexual rites and. That was one of the reasons that uh, they they were trying to ban Christianity. But what are the early church fathers? How about them? Because our first video here is on the Christian fathers were these wolves. What were their bad fruit? What evil things did they do? These pious people who who, uh, did nothing and were like uh, aesthetic monks who who just uh, died in the arena. What were their bad fruits? Tell us, sad Calvinist. Sad Calvinist, I need to know. But this, this podcast went a lot longer than I expected, so I guess that's good. I don't know. But we, we will still have to do Romans. Read through Romans. Paul believes in libertarian free will. He believes in God's responsiveness, God's decision-making, God's discursive thought. He believes that the future is not set, and then uh, things can happen, and things can change. And he appeals to people for practical response. Paul is an open theist, and just as we 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 just we went over today, Paul's his notion of God is that God is a responsive God. God can become angry and inflamed because people reject God. Because sometimes God reaches out to people, and God has reached out to a lot of people, and those people reject God. And the Calvinists, they go, "Oh no, yeah, God can't fail at anything ever. No matter what the Bible says, if the Bible says it explicitly, you ignore it." Uh, but our assumptions that we want to bring into the Bible, those are super biblical, even though it's never expressly stated in the Bible anywhere. I think Tyler Tyler Vela he just he just made that claim that oh, some sometimes things are super biblical that aren't expressly described in the Bible anywhere. Uh, yeah, but what about what about all those times God's repenting? No, not those. Those throw those away. Throw those away. God responding. Throw those away. God being angered because people reject him throw those away. Uh, but our, our super secret system that we have in our heart of hearts that we want, we really, really want the text to be about. Those are definitely in the Bible. Not not the express things. All right. Any questions or comments, put that down below. Uh, hit like or start a thread on the God is Open Facebook page. Thank you for watching.